Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we continue to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour by speaking to the people who played an important role in its success. Joining us is dancer, choreographer, and entrepreneur Jimmy Locust, who was a featured dancer in the Miss You Much and Rhythm Nation music videos. We also chat to Canadian country music artist Rich Cloak about his song You're the One and EP Northern Skies. Jimmy Locust has legions of fans around the world for his incredible dance technique and passion for teaching. We're very happy to welcome him back, reminiscing about his time with Janet Jackson. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be back. How you been? I am great. And honestly, it it is such a a treat every time that you join us on the show. And I'm super excited to talk to you because I can't believe it's already been uh, 30 years since Rhythm Nation was released. And we were fortunate because we spoke to you on the 20th. 25th anniversary of Rhythm Nation, and now so many things have actually transpired since that last interview five years ago. But I just kind of want to remind folks a little bit about how you got to the Rhythm Nation uh, project and and all that sort of stuff. So can you tell us how that came your way? Like, did you actually have to audition for it? Yes. So, um, and this is funny, we talked about this at the 30th anniversary that was held in Los Angeles. But yes, there was an audition, and it was the biggest talk in LA at that time um, because Janet was resurfacing. And, and so the murmur around the city was crazy. Thousands of people came out. Uh, I auditioned, there were several callbacks. And I do remember um, the last callback was we had to do the choreography and then they asked us to freestyle. So I knew at that point that would be the do or die moment for me. Um, so I used all my technical dance ability, like my pirouettes, my jutes, my knee slides, um, plus trying to really hit that choreography hard because the choreography itself was ridiculously difficult because it didn't feel natural at the time when we learned it. So it was just an amazing experience. Janet, however, made the experience more amazing because usually you get really nervous when you are in a room and the artist is there. But I said this on a recent interview is like seeing Janet's face. She was just there. So just calm and, and kind looking and inviting, like looking at you that she looking like at you, like she wanted you to do your best. And I think that's when I did my best when I actually saw Janet sitting there smiling at um, us dancing. So it was incredible. And after that, it just kind of went kind of fast. You know, we went into rehearsals pretty quickly. And then we actually we rehearsed for a while, like longer than you would ever expect for, a, you know, a video, because we actually rehearsed like two videos at the same time in the film stuff. But it was kind of unheard of in that time that you would rehearse that long on a project. Usually a video, you come and rehearse a, a day or two and you shoot. This one, there was a long, probably three weeks to a month of rehearsing because she wanted this to be absolutely the vision she had. So I was appreciative of all that time, getting to be around her and to hang out with her and to see her actually at work. like. To be able to sit back and watch Janet work with her team about the vision that she's creating is astounding. 
And I'm just blessed that I was able to witness that moment, those moments. It was incredible. Jimmy, were you a fan of Janet's before you got to the Rhythm Nation situation? Like, were you a big fan of the control stuff? Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> crazy. Um, who doesn't love Janet? Like, I mean, I loved that pleasure principle. Um, that's when I started really kind of seeing how she was changing the movement of dance. And she introduced, she always danced. You know, like when I think of you and all those other videos, the pleasure principle, I think she started changing her the stylization. I think Barry Layden kind of did that choreography on that video. But you could tell she was etching out her vibe of how many sides to Janet that there is. And that's the wonderful thing about Janet. People think they know Janet, and then Janet comes out with something, and they're like, oh, shoot, another side of Janet. And that's why, to this day, She's one of the most groundbreaking artists in history. Speaking of that, I wanted to get your opinion on the fact that, you know, when Rhythm Nation came out, she was very young. Like, she was 23, only sort of heading towards 24 a couple of months after the album came out. Was it shocking to you? Or I don't even know if shocking is the right word, but to have someone so young and have such a grasp on the world around her and the fact that she has something to say about the situation of racism and bigotry and, and trying to get equality, you know, were you, like, what were your thoughts at that time? Because she was so young, it's not like she was 50 at the time and had all this life experience? Well, to me, I feel like if you look at the background of Janet, Janet grew up fast. So she's been, she was, you know, when I went to Syria in Vegas, she was, she said she had been on the Vegas stage when she was 11 years old. So this woman has been introduced to the entertainment industry, you know, when she was like a child. So it wasn't that surprising to me because she's seen a lot. She had seen a lot and she's experienced a lot. And I feel it was kind of right on time with her. I think to the average person, you would think it would be kind of young. But for someone that was as tenured and as seasoned at that young of an age, you know, it was kind of what she experienced. And it was her now moment. It was a now moment that it hit her heart so hard that it moved her to speak about it because she was, you know, a part of still a part of the youth and wanting to change the, the, the future of our generations to come. So I wasn't as surprised. I was floored at the idea of how she did it. Like when I think of that, now that I was shocked, amazed, uh, it was astounding to think that you can make something with such a strong message, but then make it likable and make people listen to it. People had no choice but to listen to this project because it was so in its own way, incredibly inviting, but knowledgeable, but it, it opened up your heart to receive. And I think that's why we're talking about it 30 years later, because so many people were touched by this magnanimous, huge message that, you know, is prevalent today, like is prevalent right now. So, yeah, I don't I wasn't as shocked about her doing it, but I was shocked that I saw it, the reaction was 
crazy. It was amazing. So that was my kind of take on that. At the time in 1989, Jimmy, when you were working with Janet and the rest of the team on the project, did you have any idea how massive the album would become and that it would have such a long-lasting effect on the dance community and the mu- and the music community? Like, did you have a sense like this is different, this is big, this is huge? I did. I did. I think we all felt that. We we started. I know I started to feel it when I started hearing the beats. Like we would have a beat to work with in rehearsal. Um, and then once we started hearing, as we graduated more into the project, um, we started getting more tidbits of it. And then when we heard the actual songs, I, I knew then it was going to be incredible. Like I knew then just for the mere fact that I felt a part of this positive army that's going to help change the world. And who doesn't want to be a part of that. Like it was, I, yes, I didn't know that. I, I felt it. And I think for those of us that were in the room, it was something that we will all, we will never forget. And it's something that behind those closed doors of the conversations that we would have about the project and what she wanted to say and how she wanted us to look on camera and film and, and to the tiniest detail, this woman would have just acute detail oriented things that she wanted done. And I just, at some points I didn't understand that, but her eye is so creative and so brilliant that, um, yeah, I, I did, I didn't quite understand that level of it, but I knew being a part of it. Once I saw it on the MTV and they re- they played the video and the reaction right after it, I knew it was going to be out of this world. Like, I knew it. Can you take us back to being on the set of the Rhythm Nation video itself? Like, when, you know, like, all of you were there. I don't even know how many of you were. It felt like it was, like, at least 30 people there, maybe more. What was the vibe like when you were recording the big dance sequences when you guys were all together in unison? Like, what was that like for you? What was it? Was it, like, euphoric? Were you just in a zone? Like, how was that? First of all, as a professional, you want to do your job. For me, I want to do my job right, too, because this there's a saying in dance called film is forever videos forever Mm -hmm. so you need to know so first as a dancer i want to be professional to make sure i upheld the project that she so carefully molded so that being said it was crazy awesome because it was euphoric because the sound system alone they the speakers towered they must have towered 15, 20 feet. Like they were so big, the speakers itself. So you were, the music was in you because it was so strong. Um, I also feel that we, by that time, we had gelled as an army. We had gelled as her vision. And we knew when they said action and that music busted on, we knew what we had to do. And we knew that it was an important project and we did not want to let Miss Janet Jackson down and we dance for our lives. I, rem- I looked at the video not too long ago, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and I looked in the corner and you just never, I never really look at myself in videos, 
But I looked in the corner and, and I started with myself and I said, hands over. But we were dancing so hard and so joyfully because it was something that we knew we were making history. So the, the feeling was just to let you know, it was at the Pasadena Power Plant, which in itself is massive and big and kind of that. You walked in and you felt the vibe. So you knew when you walked in the space, it was like, okay, that's the first element. And then you walked on the grading where we were going to be dancing. And I'm like, another. And hell, I'm like, oh, shoot. This is so bomb. It's so bomb. And then we did a rehearsal with the music. It just kept elevating. And then by the time we were ready to roll, we were so minutely focused on the precision of what this vision required. And I think as a dancer, that was my, that was my most pivotal moment because I knew I was there and I knew I was well rehearsed and I knew I knew my part and I knew I stood for what she was standing for. And I knew I felt it and it was, just joyful. It was joyful and it was an instant experience and the Pasadena power plant that I will never, ever forget. Do you have a favorite memory from the set of Rhythm Nation and from Missy Much? Like or like memories, I should say, that just sort of st- like immediately stick out in your mind? Well, I, one, one I think of is Janet is a, 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 a warm, kind soul. So one of my memories <clears throat> of Rhythm Nation is I think one day they were watching the dailies and I was just kind of walking around and I walked in a room where Janet and some of the director, Dominic and people, they were watching, I think some of the dailies or some of the movement. And I got to walk in and watch it like, and Janet was there. And so when you work with big stars, that stuff doesn't happen. Like the the dailies are done and they're really super private and you don't, you know, you can't go in and it's closed doors, but she made the atmosphere. So she was, it wasn't like, I want you to act this way on camera and then be different when we're not rolling. We were a family. So if you're a part of a family, then if you're sister or brother is doing something and you want to go check them out or support them, then that's what you do. And I felt that's what, that was a great memory to watch dailies with Janet in the same room with her and be able to do that and not be like, okay, excuse me, you need to get out the room. I was allowed to do that. So that was one memory on the miss you much set. I feel it was, we were at a point, not of exhaustion, but we've been working a lot. We went from rhythm nation and I think rhythm nation was, a night shoot. So we're going in from 6 p.m. to, I think, 6 a.m. So we did that for like four or five days. I'm not really sure. It was days that we shot. Then we had a day to turn around, and then we came in and started shooting days on Miss You Much. So, you know, we were already, you know, young dancers are resilient. We were resilient, and we were mentally high from being on this project. Like, it was one of the most incredible things to say, I just did that. 
I just danced with Janet. Oh my gosh. And it was so good. But you didn't really have time to reminisce on it because you had to get some rest, get yourself together. And then it was moving into another big, huge field of memories that you're getting ready to make on this you watch. So there we came in and there was more of a ease there because Rhythm Nation is very clear. It's clean. And you need to be on your professional game getting that. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, when we were rehearsed, I mean, I wasn't talking to nobody. I wasn't doing nothing. I'm trying to hit that step and hit it for real because I don't want to be that one that has to do a retake because of that. And at the end of the day, all of us did it, and that's why you see what you saw. Um, Miss You Much, it was more lax and they were not lax, but it was still professional, but it was more the vibe that she wanted was a relaxed vibe. We're at the clubhouse. So we're hanging out and she wanted that vibe. So my, my, my great memory from this you much is her giving me the honor to open the video with my, uh, my line. Like, I mean, what a honor like to me and I had no idea it wasn't really planned it was kind of like she said oh Jimmy do that thing that you did at the other thing because I was you know I was kind of a jokester on set or when we were rehearsing because we were such a family we just kind of did stuff and I think she said do that thing that you did and that's how I got that part but she could have there was like 15 17 other people there or more that she could have picked but she honored me with that, and that alone made me more recognizable, which she will never know this, but it just that changed my life. And in the whole video, she honored all of us, but she honored us with um, FaceTime and letting us all be seen as this wonderful group that was her friends that we were portraying in this film and at that point we weren't portraying it we were that's why it looked so real what song spoke to you the most back in 1989 from rhythm nation and is it still the same case to this day i think the song that speaks to me the most is the knowledge the knowledge the beat what you know her coming head on clearly prejudice no ignorance, no bigotry, her hitting those loud and clear really kind of touched me. Um, I love Rhythm Nation because it was like, come on, everybody, let's form this nation that's a positivity. So I think in the order I would be, but then for Miss You Much, that beat was so dope. That beat all the beats were dope, but Miss You Much, all those three songs were so diverse, but I love them all for different things. Like, I love the knowledge for the message and the beat. I love Rhythm Nation for what it was saying and the beat. <laughs> and I love Miss You Much for the fun of it and that beat. So it was, it's hard to choose one, but that's kind of what I feel about those three songs that I had the honor of being a part of. I wasn't a part of the knowledge. I did get to see them rehearse it every now and then. But, um, but yes, 
Cool. Joining us on the show, uh, paying tribute to the 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation, is dancer, choreographer, and businessman Jimmy Locust. You can check out his website, jimmylocust.com, and of course, follow him on Instagram, at officialjimmylocust. I guess follow up to that question with the music, what is your favorite choreography from the Rhythm Nation album? Is it Rhythm Nation, or is it Miss You Much? Ooh, um, that's interesting question. <laughs> so for <laughs> me, <laughs> for me, Rhythm Nation choreography was the most difficult because it was so agile and new and foreign and different. So I, and it was potent in a lot of it. It was a lot of movement and it was a lot of sections. And it was, so I think that choreography to me was the most challenging and the most fun to do. Once you got it, you're like, oh, I want to do it again. Because once you get it, you're like so happy that you got it that you wanted to do it again. Um, so I think that would, and, then, and a running second would be missing much because it was the same style, but it was a little more dancey, but and freer a little, but still, but still in the pocket. It was still something that you couldn't sleep on. You can't sleep on any of Janet's choreography. So in Miss You Much, it looks festive and fun, but it was still, you needed the mindset like you did Rhythm Nation because it was still that agile, clear, new, fresh look of choreography. Now, it wasn't that long ago that you got to reconnect with Janet at one of her concerts. Can, yeah. can you tell us how that, that came about? Because it looks so special just from the photos that we were able to see on social media. Yes, you know, this is a very interesting story, and it's a blessed story, too. So I was in Atlanta working on another job, and I saw that Janet was in town, so I texted Gil. So I said, hey, Gil, I'm in town, and I had bought tickets, because when I saw she was there, I was going to buy tickets. When I found out I was there, I'm like, I'm buying tickets, I'm going. So I texted Gil, and I said, I know you guys are probably busy, you know, because you never want to assume anything when you're dealing with people, you know, artists or anyone that you haven't seen in a couple of decades. You just never want to assume anything. So I just wanted to reach out and say, Hey, I'm around. I hope you guys have a great show. Um, I'm coming to the show. And then Gil texted me back and said, well, Jenna wants to see you. And I was to go gulp, you know, and I was like, Oh, that's so awesome. So he said, come before the show. She wants to see you before the show. So I came to the show early and then Gil met me at the dancers and like at the back entrance and he goes oh you know what Janet really can't see you before the show and I'm like okay that's cool well that's great so just tell her I said hey or you know whatever I was just I was glad to see Gil because Gil's a very brilliant choreographer businessman I you know I like his energy and the one thing I can say about Gil he doesn't change like he always stays the same. And I think that's a, a, a positive thing to be said about you in this business. So I was cool with it. And then he goes, well, hold up a minute. I said, he goes, where are you sitting? And I said, um, way in the back, like way, like my tickets were like a hundred or something like they were, and they were back. They were far back. Um, he goes, well, Janet wants you to have these. They were second row center seats to the show. 
I almost fell out right there. I said, okay. He goes, I need your tickets. And I have my tickets on my phone. So then he gave me the tickets. And as I went back through the theater, through the arena to walk down to my seat, I'm like, I'm wondering, I didn't really know really where they were. But as I kept, keep, kept going down, the people kept uh, moving me forward till I was at second row, row B. And I think it was seats 10 and 11 or something like that. Right, I could reach out and touch Janet. So that was amazing. And see, that's why Janet is Janet. Like that is, and this is not old for Janet. Janet, you know, did that on her resignation tour. You know, as I found out that she wanted the people that really loved her music, when they were going tour, they would go and try to find people that had rafter seats and give them the front seats because they knew they would really enjoy it. So I was very honored that she continued that um, that tradition by offering that to me. I screamed through the whole show. The show was so bomb. It was awesome. It was the best. And then Gil said, well, after the show, security's going to come get you, and they're going to take you backstage. And I'm like, oh, shoot. So after the show, there it was. A man came pointed to me took me and my guest back, and then I'm waiting outside her dressing room with, like, Missy Elliott. Like, I'm, I'm right next door to Missy Elliott. Like, it was me and Missy hanging by her dressing room. So Missy went in before me. She hung out with her for a bit, because actually Missy performed in that show. Okay. Um, and then, um, then I went in, and the one thing I can remember about walking into that room is I hadn't seen her in 20 years. And the first thing I remember is her smile and hers and her voice saying, Hey, Jimmy, you look really good. I'm like, Oh, Janet, and we hugged. And then I'm like, she, and not to mean this in a disrespectful way at all, but she smelled so beautiful. Like she just had a beautiful, I don't know what, what cologne she had on. It was stunning. It was beautiful and she was just so kind and we talked about you know certain things that I had been working on and I told her about my anti-bullying project and I said you inspired me to start this anti-bullying project and um it was a brief amount of time and um and then we took our picture and off I went so and then I saw her at the after party that was at a local restaurant bar that was after the show. But yeah, she was just, you know, classic Janet. You know, kind, humble, giving, and it was just very, very awesome. It was great. And when you were able to sort of reflect on that maybe like a couple of days later, like just what did it mean to you, Jimmy, to to be able to see her again after so many years? Well, what it meant to me is that she's proven to be the star that everyone speaks about. She doesn't forget. She, she, she doesn't, she doesn't forget where she came from. She doesn't forget who she's worked with and she doesn't forget people who love her, her fans. She doesn't forget any of those people. And I'm a fan and I was lucky enough to work with her. So for that to happen to me, reminiscing on it, you know, and she took a great picture with me. Like, who does that? Like, that was just awesome. So, um, yeah, I reflected, like, 
I was floating for the next couple of days after that and trying to remember, like, what did I say? I hope I didn't say the thing. Oh, what did I say? You know, because you're so nervous, but you're, but not a nervous, 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 like scared, nervous, but like this wonderful, kind woman who just gave you the experience of a lifetime and she wanted to fill it with the cherry on top by saying, how are you doing, Jimmy? You look great, Jimmy. Continue doing what you're doing. Like, it was the best thing ever for me. It really was. Now, you recently got to attend the uh, JanFam Movement's uh, Rhythm Nation 30 celebration that happened in Los Angeles. Can you tell us how that came about and what it was like to be there and then to reconnect with people like Terry Bixler and Travis Payne and, and Renee Elizondo, which is amazing? Yeah, it was, so I had heard about it, and I just got to give prop out to um, Junior, who kind of, Junior and his camp, who kind of runs it. You know, he's been working, you know, at trying to get these projects off the ground. So I was excited to be a part of it, because on the, like you said, five years ago, I was chatting with you about Rhythm Nation. You know what I mean? So it's something that I don't want to die out, and anything that I can do to keep that, vision or that purpose alive, I will do. So yes, we came to the event. It was a very well run event. It opened. Um, so I saw Travis, I saw Terry Bixler. I saw Terry Yates, one of the rhythm nation dancers. And I saw Renee was there and it was so great. I hadn't seen Travis in a couple of decades and you hadn't seen Terry, both Terry's and I hadn't seen Renee since the video. So it was great. There was, um, I thought it was a very well run program where we kind of opened with watching the rhythm nation film. Um, and then there was a Q and a with us on the panel, which the audience got to ask us some questions and, you know, to me, that is the time that I, these people that are still honoring Janet through wanting to keep her message alive, I personally wanted to speak about the beauty of Janet Jackson and how she constantly made me feel during the project and how she changed my life. So that if in any any way, shape, or form could change these dancers. It was a nice crowd. I would say about 40, 50 people. It was a nice crowd. And um, and I just wanted to really share the love of Janet, you know, and then we talked about some memories of Janet and, you know, how things came about, which was awesome. And then they had a presentation. They did like an all right. Some of the jam band people did a, a rhythm, uh, like a all right, kind of medley thing, which was awesome. And it was, and then Terry Bixler taught a class. So it was, it was very, very, very cool. But the highlight for me, honestly, was to reconnect with Travis because I hadn't seen Travis in so long. And Travis and I are, are very good friends and we just had just lost touch for a while. And as soon as I saw him, it was like, a day hadn't passed. Same with Terry Bixler and all the others, you know, just seeing them and like, Oh my gosh, we're together again. So it was really great. The, the, the Q and a was great. Uh, the dancers that came and the people that admired Janet, they were wonderful. And uh, I'm so glad I made time out of my schedule to come and do this project to uplift Janet and her cause and her purpose. 
Why do you think, Jimmy, that Janet fans are so special, like, to you and to other fellow Janet dancers, you know, because they have such love for for all of you, like the ones, you know, from Control right through to where they are now, her latest batch that are with her. It's like, it's like unheard of. I don't think there's any other artist that has this fan base for dancers that were a part of her team. Well, I feel like because the, like you said earlier in the, the our conversation, the messages that she, there's a couple of things. The message that she projects is always from a place of love, of kindness and urgency for our youth to, you know, to have a place. So she's always speaking some type of truth, truth that will touch someone's heart. And once you're touched by that, you don't let that go. You continue to spread it. And these fans continue to show it by paying homage to Janet by saying, this is what touched me and this is why. And they just want to learn it. Choreographically, there's not been choreography to touch that, I think, since it came out. It started, I feel it kind of really started started the the blending or the the resurgence of hip hop and how free you can be with hip hop. You know, it it moved, it just was groundbreaking in all realms. You know what I mean? So I think she has a, a, a and then you look at her choices of who she uses like Tina Landon's eye as a choreographer. And obviously they work really close when they're doing it or um, I forgot the one where they're in Africa, that one together um, again. Yes. Love it. Like just, she's very keen on how she presents herself in each album, each song will touch someone and then once you're touched it is definitely you're hooked and that's why her fan base is so strong but especially for Rhythm Nation people are needing this message now because if you know I don't even need to say how bad the message is needed because we see it in what's happening in our world today this was 30 years ago so Janet was ahead of her time then because it's not out of style now. All those things that she spoke about are very, very, very prevalent today. And people want to hold on to the positive way to get through these things. So they're not, they, so they don't become a statistic. And her music and her fans, they work on not becoming a statistic that so many people are wanting to put people in a certain box. Like, you're this way, so you're going to end up that way. But through Janet's music and her fan base, they're proving those statistics wrong. Yep. Agreed. And I wanted to ask you, Jimmy, when it comes to the fans themselves, what do they mean to you? Because... You know, they are fiercely passionate about um, all the original dancers. And, you know, again, you had such a prominent place in Rhythm Nation and in Miss You Much that, like, you are in our hearts and minds forever. And so uh, when you are recognized on the street, when people come up to you and tell you stuff, even on social media, what does it mean to you that you're, uh, like, a Rhythm Nation OG? Yeah, um, it's, first of all, you're right. Um, It's an honor. It's an honor. And it 
and it just happened kind of recently. I, after the whole event, I was out in Burbank having dinner with one of my friends and you know, I was sitting at the table and a guy ran to me and said, can I take a picture with you? I know where you are. Oh my God. And then I said, Oh, of course. But when that happens, I give that all back to Janet. Cause if Janet did not do what she did, it wouldn't be my face that they were seeing. And, and, and to take it further, look at how Janet uses different types of people. And I want to just be briefly on that. I'm four foot nine. And I mean, and I'm one of the most diverse types of people that you can ever find. She broke the mold in 1989 by hiring me for this job to say she wanted everybody represented. You look at her tour now. She has all types of people represented. All. And that's why people also love her, but then it gives those people opportunities to feel what it feels like to be recognized. And like, and it is, it happens a lot um, because she did put me in such a recognizable place in those videos, which I'm very grateful and humbled by. Um, But I do, I love it. But at the same time, I just kind of think in my mind, yeah, I thank Janet because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be getting this type of recognition at all. So it all goes back to the source, the way I look at it. But I am very pleased when it happens in it. And it makes me happy because some of the dancers are very like, I really want to make work, work on dancing. I really want to get myself together. So I will take a moment with them and tell them, well, let's talk about that. What do you want to do? What are your aspirations? What are you working on? So I can use what I learned 30 years ago and now that I have my own vibes that I'm doing that deal with certain issues that Janet inspired me to do in my own, she made me, she encouraged me to etch my own path. Mine is anti-bullying with kids because I have two studios and I have like all these children there where I tell them my studio is a safe space. And if, if I catch anybody mistreating that, it's going to be dealt with swiftly. But that's the path that through Janet, I found, I etched my way to find what my purpose is. And mine is to educate younger children on keeping self-confidence, being kind. And you don't know what a word, a word may be casual to you. It may be hurtful to someone else. And you got to watch what you say and be mindful because you don't know somebody's heart and where they are. So this is all springing from Miss Janet Jackson as how she kind of inspired me to say, Jimmy, what's your voice? Now I have my voice. And now I have two successful studios. Now I'm working. Now I'm doing my shows in festivals in New York City. This is because this woman said, you, you, you know, she inspired me to do these things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan, but when the fans come, I really like to take a moment. If they want to talk, like that's what the 30th was so great about it. We had time to talk to these fans. We sat down and I, you know, gave some advice to certain people and we took pictures. We spoke about there. I actually saw one girl when I was flying back Monday, a girl was at the airport. She had on a reservation 30 sweatshirt. And I'm like, she was 
came to me. She goes, I just want to say goodbye to you. My flight leaves in two hours, but thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. And I said, so what are you going to do? She goes, when I go home, I'm going to change some things with my life and I'm going to really work on something. I said, you know, tag me and let me know on Instagram and I will be teaching there in February and we'll hook up and we'll talk about your progress. So it sprouted exactly what Janet would want further love to other people. That's fantastic. And Jimmy, like before I let you go, I just want to take a moment and on behalf of the fans, just thank you so much for being so passionate still 30 years later about uh, Rhythm Nation and Janet and and what she's accomplished and how you're continuing to spread it out um, in the world. You definitely are still one of her soldiers and we're so grateful uh, to have you and, and what you're doing to help kids. And I'm just, it's such an honor to have you on my show. So thank you so so much for making time for us on this 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation. You are so welcome. And, you know, I just, in closing, I wanted to say, um, I did some, I went to the Vegas show. Janet's show in Vegas was so bomb. It was the ultimate. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Did no, you go to it? Not yet. Hadn't had a chance to go. Okay. So listen, that show is, it was outstanding. So I just wanted to say, I flew out to see her and the show was incredible and she still she sold out that place almost all her nights so i want to just continue to say more power to janet her fans are real and she is still a lovely wonderful truly blessed artist and you know kelly thank you for having me on i always love chatting with you Thank you so much. That's dancer, choreographer, and entrepreneur Jimmy Locust. Make sure to check out his website, jimmylocust.com, and of course, follow him on Instagram, at official Jimmy Locust. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Canadian country music artist Rich Cloak, based in Burlington, Ontario. Rich has been steadily building his recording career with over 270,000 streams and has been performing for his fans at numerous shows and music festivals. Rich has released a song called You're the One and is here to talk to us all about it. Rich, thanks for joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So let's start by the beginnings. How did you get into music? So actually, I've been, I've been in music like since I was a little kid. You know, I got my first guitar, my grandfather, when I was like three years old. And then I really started hitting it hard into elementary school when, you know, guys just wanted to start bands and, you know, playing guitar was really, really cool. And then when I hit high school, I started playing in rock bands, like alt-rock bands throughout the city. And, you know, I stuck through that all through high school, all through university. And then when I finished university, I kind of started dabbling in like electronic music. And then one day my buddy said, what, well, instead of starting a band, why don't you just like do your own thing, man? It's like, okay, um, I don't know where to start to do my own thing. He's like, why don't you come over to my studio? Um, let's plug you in. Um, let's see what you sound like. Have you, have you ever sang before? I was like, not really. I was like singing backup vocals in these other bands that I used to play. He's like, well, let's see what it sounds like. And I always had a love for country music. And when I started singing, I was like, well, I can't really sing like a rock guy. Uh, I can't sing like, like a metal guy or anything like that. But I sound, my, the timbre of my voice, it's really well for country. And the storytelling of country music is something that really resonates with me. And um, I just kind of, since 2014, have really been doing my own thing and trying to navigate my way through this crazy industry. That's awesome. And it's funny because I was on your Facebook page earlier and I saw that you got to go see Slipknot perform, which apparently has been a long time <laughs> dream of yours. So I love that you have like this, this love of like Slipknot and all things metal, but then you're a country artist. How does that balance in your brain? Oh, 
I don't know if it really does. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny though. Like, like we're down here right now in Calgary for the CCMAs, and you know, you're mingling, you're talking to other artists, and you know, you're meeting a lot of people. Everyone's so curious, like what everyone's story is and where they get their influences. And we were in a we were in an Uber last night, and we were talking about our influences. And I said, you know what's funny? I said none of my influences come from, you know, my like my idols don't come from the country world. And everyone's like, they're like, what? They're like. Where does it come from? I said, it comes from the rock world. I said, I was raised on, you know, hard rock. and But I, I more so the artistry standpoint. Like, for example, like Slipknot, you know, first of all, one of the, like, the best live bands I've ever seen. And I, when I go to a show like that, I'm like, what are they doing live? And a guy like Corey Taylor, the lead singer, like the way he's able to engage a crowd and, you know, the, the way they create music and, you know, their messaging behind songs and what they stand for and, you know, the path that they're on, I'm like, that's so cool to me. And, you know, for me, I'm like, I want that. You know, guys like, fans like Tool and Nine Inch Nails, you know, Trent Reznor and Maynard. And, like, I love the artistry around that stuff. So, like, I, I try to pull elements of the artistry from that genre while pulling, you know, my favorite country artists and songwriters from, say, Nashville and try to merge it all together in this self-discovery path that I feel like I'm on. That's really cool because I've interviewed a lot of artists and I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who has been like super influenced by like hard rock and then is a country artist. I think that's awesome. So keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, so it's fun. <laughs> I, I know that you play guitar. Do you play other instruments too, especially when you're recording? Are you like that, that all encompassing one man band who likes to play a bunch of different instruments? I do. Um, well, in terms of like, so yes, I absolutely play guitar. I play the piano. I play bass. Uh, I play the tenor saxophone. Um, so I'm hoping at some point we can incorporate saxophone, which is, it's funny, like in the pop world, sax is like in a lot of different songs. So I'm like, oh, maybe we can incorporate this. When it comes to the, when it comes to production and recording music, I like to utilize the talents of other individuals just so I can like sit back and like be the artist. And cause sometimes I might come up with what I think is an amazing idea, but then I bring in someone who like a session player who this is what they do. This is what they do day in and day out. Like, can you take this idea and like take it to 11 and then they'll take my idea, flip it on its head and be like, man, I wish I thought of that. I wish I wrote that part. So I find there's a lot of benefit to utilizing different performers when it comes to recording music because you get a different take and a different uh, perspective on some of the parts that I find for me is always worked out and it's very beneficial to my projects. Well, the minute you put a saxophone uh, sample in your country song, <laughs> I want you to send that to me because that, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And actually, yeah. you have to check out, um, I'm sure you've heard of Alessia Cara, and she just put out a song called Rooting for You, and there's a, like a prominent sax part in there. And I was actually thinking about how interesting it was to hear such a prominent sax part, even though it's a pop song. I just You don't hear it often from the young cats, and so it was pretty cool. So you have to check that out. Um, yeah, yeah, jo- awesome. Joining us on the show, country artist Rich Cloak. You can grab all of his social media handles off his website, richcloak.com. So, uh, Rich, talk about us, or talk to us, I should say, about your family and friends. Like, are they super supportive of, of you being a musician? Because it's obviously not for the faint of heart. I know, uh, I know most artists, you know, will say this, and but I truly believe it, and I'm so, so grateful that I have the love and support of my family, my friends, uh, and even my local community. Um, you know, I'm both in from two major cities too. I grew up in Hamilton and I've been living in Burlington, Hamilton, Ontario. And I've lived in Burlington, Ontario for the last eight years. And both communities have kind of rallied behind me and really been very, very supportive 
um, and helping get my name out there and pushing me out to the local audiences, family and friends. It is really, really tough. Um, it's funny when I first like to get real and when I first started doing music, I didn't realize like, especially as a solo artist, when you're carrying the weight of an entire project by yourself, like how much time, effort and energy goes into really trying to create something and you're, you're away from your family, you're missing. And it, like, really, I have not even, I'm not even a, you know, a major touring artist yet. And just how much time goes into creating this project, you know, you're away from your family, you're away from your friends. I'm married. So, you know, time away from spending time with my wife and you're missing summer barbecues and all these hangouts, especially in the summertime, it's the busiest time of the year for a musician and artist, especially in country music. But uh, they've been so supportive and totally understand and have given me all this freedom and support to really do what I need to do and what I'm trying to say and very grateful for the support. How has being from your neck of the woods in Ontario influenced you as, as an artist? As an artist? Well, it's funny. So growing up in Hamilton, Hamilton is known for being like a worker, a worker community. Um, and just, you know, by any, I'd say more of my parents too. Like when I was, when I was growing up, they always said, listen, man, like, you know, if you want something in life, you got to go and earn it. You know, nothing's ever going to get handed to you. Don't expect anything from anybody. If you want something, you have to go out and really earn it and give it a hundred percent. Um, you know, and if you put that energy and you put that effort in and you truly believe in something, you know, good things will happen. Uh, and that was kind of the vibe, not only from my family, but from my community in Hamilton growing up everyone worked their ass off and uh yeah it just kind of helped shape shape me to the man i am now do you think that you will have to i know you're very close to toronto obviously so that's not far and of course mm-hmm. that's a, a mecca of music uh do you ever feel the pull to maybe head west uh to maybe be in calgary full-time or to be you know even moving to nashville i thought about not so much moving out west uh, i find like it's funny like a lot of the a lot of really cool industry people that I've gotten to know just happen to be from Toronto. And I talked to a lot, like being out here in Calgary, um, there's a great scene here in Calgary and there's a really cool scene out in Vancouver. Um, but I've, I never really thought, to be honest with you, of moving out West. I've definitely thought about moving to Nashville. Um, but what I found is going, going back and forth from Nashville over the years is it's really good to kind of have a really good home base set up here first uh, in your kind of hometown before you kind of make that leap. It's very hard. You see a lot of Canadian artists going down to Nashville and trying to make it and trying to get connected. There's so many people down there doing the same thing, you know, and it's very easy to kind of get lost in the weeds of all the, all the amazing talent that's in that city. So my focus right now is really to focus on building something really cool here locally in Ontario and in Canada, and then taking all that, that this project and then moving it down to Nashville at some point. So your new song, which you just released, is called You're the One. Talk to us about, uh, I guess, the theme of it, and did the song come easily for you to write and record? Uh, it definitely came uh, very easy uh, for myself. Um, it's funny, when we were looking back at, because it, it's 2014, and when I released music back then, I had no idea what I was doing. So it's the last few years, really kind of understanding the ins and the outs of the industry and writing a ton of songs and you know, talking to a bunch of publishing companies and getting song pitches. Uh, and it was actually a song that came from uh, Anthem Entertainment. And uh, a couple of buddies of mine uh, there said, hey, man, like, listen to this song. We know this is kind of what you're trying to write about. And the songs that I'm looking that I like to write or if I'm going to record someone else's song, I want it to be, I want it to mean something to me. 
Um, I've always been, I mean, I've been in a relationship with my wife now for the last, you know, we've been together 15 years, married seven. So I have a lot to say in terms, there's a lot of those ups and those downs. And I wanted to write like a fun, upbeat, clever love song. And this song just crossed my desk one day. I was like, this, this is it. This is, you just, you hear it and you're like, this is definitely the next one that we're going to put out. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we recorded it. Recording is very, very easy. I'm working with a guy, a uh, good friend of mine named Brendan Federal, based out of, uh, Waterloo, Ontario. I met him just during a Nashville trip and I was looking for, to work with a producer that kind of believed in what I was doing. Um, that wasn't necessarily from the country world. He's from the rock world too, which I found was really, really cool because he's able to put his influence and his intake uh, on the song. That's not of a country influence. And so it all comes very, very easily when it comes to recording. And, you know, we just, the big thing for us is just rehearsing before you go into the studio to make sure that you're just crushing your performances. And now what's the plan for the song? Like, are you going to go out and do spot dates to promote it? And, and can we expect like a, a new EP or an album at some point? Uh, absolutely. So right now we're doing this campaign right now. We're pushing this on to radio. Uh, we're doing a handful of interviews right now. Uh, we're trying to get our social media um, engagement up, which has been great. People, fans of friends, family, fans, people have been loving the song and giving me so much love and support. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and right now we're recording, in the midst of recording, a six-song EP that will be released uh, no later than the end of January. So we're really, really excited about that. Awesome. And then I'm, I'm assuming in the new year you'll be hitting the road full-time? Hitting the road full-time, yeah. So the rest of the year is going to be recording, release plans, record out in January, and then with a full record uh, out, we'll be hitting the road and starting a, starting a kind of Canadian tour. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you this. We have lots of fans listening to the show from around the world who may not know who you are yet, uh, like people in Japan and all that kind of stuff. So if someone was to be listening from Japan right now, what do, they, what do you want them to know about Rich Cloak? I want them to know that it's, you know, if they listen to me and invest, you know, take the three minutes to listen to a song, what you're going to get, you're going to get honesty, you're going to get artistry. You're going to get heart, soul. The best three minutes of your life. <laughs> of <your> life. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Go. I love that. Uh, Rich, thank you for this, and you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thank you very much for having me. This is great. Thank you so much. That's country artist Rich Cloak. Again, grab all of his social media handles by hitting up his website, richcloak.com. We really appreciate you spending time with us on the show this week, and we want to give a big shout-out to our guests, Jimmy Locust and Rich Cloak. Of course, my thanks going out to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for keeping everything on the rails. Don't forget to subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.